Hello and welcome to the Five Day Reading Plan podcast. My name is Lance Ward, and I'll be taking us through some of the what we read this last week in the Old and New Testaments. Remember, you can download a copy of this reading plan in the description of this podcast, and you can also find it at fivedaybiblereading.com. And also, with whatever podcast source you use, if you could go in and just leave us a review, that would be very helpful. We're really hoping that others might listen to this and be encouraged by the Word of God and maybe even come to Christ and uh, enjoy a relationship with Him. Well, we just finished week 42. What that means is there's only 10 weeks left after this. 10 weeks remain to finish the Bible in a year. And in this week, we read Lamentations, Obadiah. We read Jeremiah 40 through 44, 46 through 49, and 50 and 51. We also read Psalms 137, Psalm 147, and 80. And we finished out 1 Peter and went to 2 Peter 1 through 3. I am so grateful we have the little book of Lamentations written by Jeremiah. We see plenty of lament in the book of Jeremiah, so Lamentations is a perfect, though brutal, complement to what we're reading. It gives us an inside look at the prophet's pain and anguish. And you probably noticed that Psalm 137 sounds like a close cousin to Lamentations. Well, many of us probably, as far as Lamentations go, don't have very much of it in our heads, but maybe we do have chapter 3, verses 20. Uh, 22 and 23 in our memory banks. And if we read what leads up to these verses, we see that such expressions of hope are rare to this book, but they are appropriate. God's mercies are really new every morning. His faithfulness is extravagant, as Jeremiah will write, and that's the kind of interruption every lament needs. In this go-round of my personal reading, I wrote one-word descriptions of different sections in the margin of my Bible. Here are the descriptions I wrote just for chapter 1. Sadness, discomfort, no rest, silence, mockery, shame, famine, great pain, brokenness, rejection, no comforter, heartbroken. I wrote many more descriptions in chapters 2 and 3, but I love what Jeremiah writes in chapter 3, verse 31. The Lord will not reject us forever. In this week's reading of Jeremiah, we see more resistance from God's people in the face of Jeremiah's prophecies. From simply not listening to calling Jeremiah a liar, Jeremiah's audience remained hard-nosed and hard-hearted at every turn. One day, though, God's people would return, and it would be Babylon that would be overthrown, as we saw in chapters 50 and 51. God's vengeance would not fail to come, and his justice would win out, a concept we also saw in our reading of 2 Peter. When I was a teenager and went to church, I wanted to read through the Bible after getting a checkoff list from my church that, where you could just mark off every chapter you read. I'm not really sure I knew the Lord at the time, so I think I was entirely motivated by works, not by grace at all. So instead of seeking devotion, I went after efficiency. And I asked myself, what's the shortest book? Let me find it. Then I can check one off and say, one down, 65 to go. So I looked it up, and it was Obadiah, the shortest book in the Old Testament. At that time, I probably read it in under three minutes because comprehension did not matter to me. But I, and so, therefore, I don't think I got anything out of it. I just scratched off the box, then resolved to read the second shortest book on day two. 
For the record, I never finished. The books just kept getting longer. Well, back to Obadiah. Obadiah is written against Edom, a longtime rival of Israel, going all the way back to the sibling rivalry between Jacob and Esau. Apparently, the Edomites were deceived into thinking they were safe, dwelling in high and hard-to-get places. But if you're against God, you're never safe, at least not forever. The Edomites did not follow God, so all they could trust in was their geographical advantage, high up on the rocks and in their clefts, it says. But if nothing else in Scripture, we learn that no place is safe from the sovereign God if you are not with Him. And as the book ends, we see a common trend. Every oracle against a foreign nation is almost always a message of hope for the future of Israel. Such is the message of Psalm 146, which we also read this, or where we also read, Happy is the one whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth. Those who oppose and resist God have two choices, repent and receive grace, or continue to resist, and one day you will have nowhere to hide. You may be getting away with things now, but a day is coming where you will be exposed and rightly judged. This is one of Scripture's most prominent themes. Those who trust God, though, may indeed be mocked and ignored and ridiculed and persecuted in the here and now. But our future is hope and glory, hope and glory that cannot be taken away and will never end. Both this theme and the theme of judgment were also prominent in our reading of Second Peter, weren't they? It's as if the Bible is saying much of the same thing in both Testaments. Last week, I asked you to mark any references to suffering you see back in 1 Peter. Most such references can be found in the latter half of the book, but I counted 24 total references to suffering from the first mention in chapter 1, verse 6, to the last in chapter 5, verse 10. These include not only the sufferings we may experience, but the sufferings Christ experienced for us. Chapter 4, verses 12 through 19 are especially helpful to know, as we will likely have many sufferings ahead if we identify with Christ. It is comforting to know that though this is far from fun, it is good in God's eternal plan and will not go unrewarded. Peter also does something similar to Paul in some of Paul's epistles. He takes some common roles of authority in society and holds them to accountability before God. You see, in ancient societies, you would never hear of a leader serving or acting in humility. That seems like common knowledge today, but it would not have been were it not for a Christian ethic, which, which would say, for example, to husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing them honor as your equals. It, it wouldn't be this way if, if the Bible didn't say to church elders and church leaders, shepherd the flock among you, shepherd this flock, not out of greed and not by lording it over, but by being examples. Well, on to 2 Peter. Now, 2 Peter, especially chapter 2, seems a little bit harsh in places, doesn't it? But like its companion Jude, what this book tells us is that false teachers and false prophets are a very serious matter to our loving Father, who does not want to see us led astray, and who will deal with such people in the severest of ways. For those of us who cling to Christ, though, chapter 3 is like cold water on a hot day. In light of that, a common question we may be asked is, is this, if your God is so good, why is there so much evil? Why doesn't he do anything about it? Well, Peter answers that. Shortest answer, he will. And it will be like nothing you've ever dreamed of. The reason he's waiting is his grace. 
because he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. When the Lord finally does appear, and that judgment day does come, though, there will be no second chances. There will be no plea deals. There will be no grace left for those who resist him. For God to get rid of evil, he must deal with unrepentant evil. But he is patient, and he waits. But one day, those who trust in him will live in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Then Peter says, and this is where we will close, Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight and at peace. Well, next week, we will start the prophet Ezekiel, reading chapters 1 through 15. And by the way, in Ezekiel, the one phrase you'll want to mark time and time and time again, and it'll start getting pretty heavy after about chapter 3 maybe, is they or you will know that I am the Lord. Every time you see that in Ezekiel, highlight it. You're going to see a very colorful book. It's in there a lot. So Ezekiel 1 through 15, also Psalms 82, 83, and 136, and we will start in the wonderful gospel of John, chapters 1 through 5. And as you read through John, be sure and somehow mark every reference to faith or belief. And we'll talk to you next week, and we'll talk about that. So thanks again for listening to the 5-Day Reading Plan podcast. Have a great week.